Thank you for listening to The Luminous Mind. Remember to subscribe to our free podcast so you won't miss any of our illuminating content. Here is episode 214. Gentle parenting is not permissive parenting. It is a different approach, but I really think it's a very biblical approach. And based on my experience, it's also very, very effective. Benjamin Franklin once said, Do not curse the darkness, rather light a candle instead. If you're ready to set your mind on fire, then prepare yourself for the Luminous Mind with your host, Rebecca Bowman. Today's fire starter is Amber Leah. Amber is a former high school English teacher. She is a work-at-home mom with four little boys under the age of 10. She and her husband, Guy, own Storehouse Media Group, a faith and family-friendly TV and film production company in Los Angeles, California. When she's not building sandcastles with her boys on the beach or searching for nerf darts all over her house, you can find Amber writing to encourage families on her blog at Mother of Nights. Welcome, Amber. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm so glad to be here. This is one of my favorite things to do is have conversations about these really important topics like anger and parenting and faith. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'm really excited to learn more about how you encourage families as well. as She's got two books. One's Triggers, which the subtitle is Exchanging Parents' Anger and Reaction for Gentle Biblical Responses. And how that worked into your latest book, which is Parenting Scripts. And the subtitle for that is When What You're Saying Isn't Working, Say Something New. This sound like two amazing books. But before we get into any of that, can you please tell our audience a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, you know, I am a Californian born and raised. In fact, my boys are fourth generation Los Angelians. Oh, wow. Yeah, my husband, also native Californian, grew up in San Diego area. We are coming up on our 12-year anniversary and I started out as a teacher and loved, loved, loved my high school students, my middle school students. And interestingly enough, you know, as a teacher of English and literature and story, I'd always loved writing, but I was kind of resistant to it myself because I didn't have a lot of time. And I also had really high standards because I figured if I can't be like Shakespeare, what's the point? <laughs> um, and then my husband very sweetly started encouraging me to in the midst of the deep trenches and sometimes the dark trenches of mothering very young children at the time to try to start doing some of my own writing. And he said, why don't you start one of those blogs? <laughs> <laughs> and so I did that and was just really not taking it too seriously at first, but then it started to gain more readership. And I really enjoyed having that outlet. And one thing led to the next. And now I've got a, a few books under my belt. So yeah, it's been really wonderful experience. But that's sort of the, my favorite thing is reading and writing and being at the beach. So I, <laughs> thankfully, I can kind of combine those things. <laughs> oh, I wish I was there with you. We uh, woke up to snow this morning. So oh, my you. goodness. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then my husband's been in the entertainment industry since he was out of college. And so I married into Hollywood a little bit there. And we are really focused on trying to create entertainment that honors God and is also entertaining. And so that's another big part of my life. But the two are pretty flexible yeah. and 
work together. So yeah, yeah I'd love, I mean, we're going to have to just have a conversation with you about that, but <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other amazing conversation. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I want to hear about your uh, book triggers, which is like I said, the subtitle is exchanging parents, anger reactions for gentle biblical responses. What's the inspiration for that book? Why did you decide to write it? Well, I was blogging and writing for some other websites and as a contributing author and one of the women who was I was involved in ministry with said, you know, there's these moms are struggling with anger and they're struggling with yelling. And so we should start a Facebook group um, and see if there's, you know, really this need. And so I jumped in and started this group and it grew to like over a thousand people within a week's time. And then 10,000 people within a fairly short time. And then 17,000 people. I mean, it was just Obviously, it was very clear to me that there was a need. And I was working with these moms on a really a daily basis for about a year. And it was growing so rapidly and it kind of became too much for me. And one of my fellow blogging friends, uh, her name is Wendy Speak, she said that she would love to join in and minister with me and help me out in this group. And so we started together piggybacking and working um, with these moms who struggled with anger And it was just a huge blessing in our lives. And this first book triggers exchanging parents' angry reactions for gentle biblical responses. It's really a collection of 31. There's 31 short, readable for busy moms and dads chapters (laughs) that cover really the, the triggers toward anger that we recognized after years of ministering on this topic were the ones that were the most common and the most needful And we wrote from a place of our own transparency, our own experience and our own very unique journeys away from angry parenting, as well as all the things that we've gleaned from these other families that we've been been working with for years. So it was very much a needed book, uh, one that we felt compelled and like fire in our bones to write. And God has done amazing things with it and blessed it. It's been really an incredible experience. Oh, that's awesome. Well, and I'd love to hear more about maybe some common struggles that you have seen with mommy anger. I think it's really common. I mean, I was at the a restaurant last night and I was listening to this mom and the way she's talking to her son. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is mm-hmm. it is like it's an epidemic almost in our society of how we treat children. And um, and a lot of it, I'm sure, comes from our own upbringing. You know, I know that that we maybe many of us were held. We had parents that used sharper tongues with us then, and it was acceptable back then. But we are moving into kind of that gentle parenting where we realize that that anger isn't the best. But I want to hear about those common struggles that you're finding that people have. You're so right, Rebecca. First of all, I do think there is some generational differences there. And I want to make it really clear that, that gentle parenting is not permissive parenting. It is a different approach, but I really think it's a very biblical approach. And based on my experience, it's also very, very effective because when you apply God's word to how you live out your life with your children, it has power and it has influence. And so one of the things that, you know, we noticed, obviously our kids really, a lot of people's trigger is when their kids disobey, right? That's one of the main (laughs) issues that we are dealing with is obedience and disobedience. And I saw this so much in myself. Like I could have easily been that mom that you overheard at the restaurant years ago. I had moved to a little small town with my husband and 
I had three little boys at the time who were four and under, two in diapers. My husband worked really long hours. I didn't really have any friends. I didn't have any family nearby. And I sort of felt like I was drowning. And my kids were immature. And I often mistook their immaturity for sinful issues when really I was kind of confusing those two things. So the Lord did a a really amazing work in me to just get me to a point where I was no longer, where I was wise to understand the difference between their immaturity and their disobedience, first of all. But then also it was an opportunity for me to really stop and go, okay, I'm drowning here. I'm constantly frustrated. I'm snapping a lot. My tone of voice is not very pleasant. My kids are not obeying me. Every day looks the same. And this is not the full life that I thought I was going to experience as a believer and as a new mom. And so I recognized that this issue of disobedience was really foundational for me and for a lot of other people. And so the Lord brought to my mind, I remembered this story of a young girl that I had in high school and I was mentoring her and she was really struggling with PE classes and she was trying to compete for this certain um, presidential fitness exam and And I showed up on the day that she was going to compete for it and she was not doing well and she was not going to make it. And I knew it was going to devastate her. And so I just ran around the track with her and I cheered her on and miracle of all miracles. She actually finished like just in time before the race ended. And her mom wrote to me years later and just said that that was like a turning point in her life because she had been so discouraged and defeated just in many areas of her life. And that someone would take the time to just kind of coach her through that one moment even is what it took for her to be successful. And so I started to think about that, that young lady after her mom had sent me this email and I have all these little kids that are surrounding me. And I thought, you know what? I was willing to like be encouraging and coach my student through this experience, but I'm not willing really to coach my children. I'm just reacting to their disobedience. I'm yelling, I'm angry, I'm upset. I'm not really coaching them toward the behavior I want. I want to see in them they're so immature. And yet I'm expecting something from them that they're probably not even really capable of giving to me. And I'm not being patient. Like the Lord tells me he is with me, not being long suffering. I'm not overlooking any offenses. Um, And so what do I need to do to change? And so that was sort of my first step is I started to view myself as a mom, as coach, when it comes to my children's disobedience. And I know that blessing follows disobedience. We will always be blessed when we obey, either in heaven or here, a lot of times both. (laughs) But I also recognized that I needed to be considering what my role was more proactively instead of reacting all the time in the aftermath of the problem. I needed to be proactive to coach my kids towards obedience. So, you know, if they're making a huge mess all the time or they're not putting their shoes on and getting out the door. And now we're running late. And that's another trigger for people. What could I do to make it fun and interesting and help them instead of just always now that we're in the moment of the disobedience, I'm having to, you know, punish or discipline, or I'm losing my own calm, and it's not getting any better. So 
that's one of the things that I think is really important is we start thinking ourselves as coaches. (laughs) Uh, I love that. Yeah, because that does make a different, uh, that's a totally different mindset. And I think too, like when we think of how we talk to our children, if we would turn that and say, okay, would I say that to my best friend or would I say that to my husband? You know, I think that even the way that we speak to them speaks so much. I mean, we almost encourage that disobedience. And I was just um, kind of coaching a friend basically on, on lying. You know, she finds her daughter lying to her a lot. And I'm like, well, I wonder sometimes too, if our own reaction makes them behave that way. Do you know what I mean? Like they're, they're scared to tell us things because we maybe the way that we react. And so, yeah, I'd love yeah. to hear um, kind of your thought process on that and how you, I love the own, your own story of how you kind of change that mindset of coming to a coach. What, what do you other struggles do you feel like uh, that you've, you know, you've worked with people with their children before. Yeah. Well, you're, you're absolutely right about the lying thing I had. There's a chapter in the book about lying. You know, what do we do when our kids lie to us? And it is really important to not make our kids into better liars because they are afraid of our reactions. Right. So if we've, we've created an environment where they know they're going to come to us, we're going to be fair and we're going to be just, but we're also people who demonstrate grace and mercy. We often will give them what they don't deserve and they know that our, our character is coming from a place of love and loving correction, not just always letting them off the hook, but having discernment to know the difference when that's appropriate and when it's not. But if we're creating that foundation with our kids, then they're not going to feel the need to lie to us so much. You know, they may still, but overall, I think that that's a pattern we're not going to see. And, and I go into detail on that in the book, but One of the other issues that we see with a lot of kids and parents that struggle is just when our kids are, they're arguing, uh, they talk back, there's this sense of disrespect. And actually in, in my second book that you'd mentioned parenting scripts, when what you're saying isn't working, there's a chapter there about what to say when your child argues and talks back. And parenting scripts is really like, here's some very specific things that we actually say in the moment. And maybe it'll jog some ideas for you, how you could use the same script or come up with one that fits your own family dynamic. But when children are arguing and talking back, they often feel like they don't have control and they're trying to get their words out and they want to be heard. And so it comes off often as really disrespectful. And as parents, we start to feel indignant, like I'm the parent. How dare you talk to me that way? You know, and So then we're just kind of like fighting fire with fire and that never gets us anywhere. It just makes it a bigger explosion. And Proverbs 29, 11 says that a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. And I think that's one of the biggest triggers is when a child's talking back to you or they're arguing with you, it's really hard to hold your own feelings back because you feel so disrespected as a parent. And so again, it's sort of a paradigm shift in our thinking of, is my child, is their heart like really, are they trying to disobey? And even if they are being disobedient, what can I do to help them grow to be more like Christ, to be more like the child that I desire them to be? And so there's kind of that coaching idea again. But so I set up this, this system with my kids and it's called a right to appeal. And so my kids know that, for example, if I've made a decision and they're tempted to argue or talk back to me, If they remain calm and we practice this like a good coach does, you set up scenarios when you're not in the heat of the moment. You say, hey, guys, let's just practice this. We're going to practice the right of appeal. 
you pretend to ask me for something. I'm going to say no. And you show me how you're supposed to respond to that in a way that is right and good. And so we practice it and we make it fun. And then that way, when the real deal moment happens, it's not a knee jerk reaction from them or from me. We know what we're supposed to say and do in that moment because we've been practicing ahead of time. And so they'll, they can come to me and can say, mommy, I'd like to appeal, please. And I will say to them, okay, I'm listening. What would you like to tell me? And because sometimes they may have more information for me about this issue that I've said no to, or this thing that I've said that I want them to do, or whatever the decision may be. And it gives them a voice. They don't have to be nasty or cry or throw a tantrum or argue with me because they know I'm going to listen. And then they also know, because again, we've practiced this, that sometimes I'll say, okay, I've taken your thought into consideration and I agree. I, and this happens actually quite a bit mm-hmm. um, where they come with a really reasonable comment or, or something that they have to share about this decision I've made. And I'm totally okay with it. And so sometimes I will change my mind and I'll say, okay, this is reasonable. I hear what you're saying. And so let's do this. Or maybe we'll come to a compromise of some sort. But my kids also know that sometimes the answer is still going to remain what I said it was the first time and that the answer is no. And then they have to say, they, and again, this is what we practice. They're supposed to say back to me, okay, mommy, I understand. You know, or, okay, thank you for listening. And then they go and do the right thing. But again, it's, it's instead of having these conversations, just thinking they're going to work out better next time, thinking that our kids are going to someday grow out of the tantrum, which they may or may not. We're actually also equipping them with life skills oh, for yeah. the future, <laughs> like how to communicate, like how to reason with people, how to not be just this strict authoritarian dictatorial person in whatever place of leadership you may have, but to work as a team. There's just so many other benefits to that when we, when we apply that kind of approach, even when they're talking back to us. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking is that, you know, working with your kids and the idea that this is coaching them through something is going to be a huge community. I mean, we don't want to create children that are doormats for the rest of the world, just because they've learned to just follow our, follow our uh, rules and, you know, whatever. We want kids who can think through things and follow their own hearts if that's the, and then be able to discuss and communicate. I mean, to be able to be a wonderful communicator is such a, it's a lacking skill that a lot of kids don't have. A lot of people in general don't have. And so I love that idea. You know, I, I feel really blessed that, you know, a little bit of experience gives you that when I was talking with my friend, we were talking about the the power struggle that, you know, she may be lying because there's this power struggle. And I feel like when kids are heard, at least they're heard, even if the, like you said, the appeal process doesn't go in their favor, they're more apt to follow what, because they, at least they've been heard, you know. That's that, right. Yeah. And giving our kids some control doesn't mean we lose ours. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it's, you're exactly right. It makes them feel heard and it just removes that anxiety and that angst from the moment for them. And it just makes a world of difference. Yeah. Well, and many times I think parents and people are expecting children to behave much better than they even do as adults. You know what I mean? Like we, we have higher expectations for our kids than we do for ourselves. And I I think, um, being able to have that great conversation with your kids, like I'm a flawed person too, you know, I'm, I may be your mother, but I don't always make the best decisions or, or react the way that I should. And we need to give that grace back to our kids too, that we don't expect perfection all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Mom and dad make mistakes. We don't see the full picture. Sometimes we're reasonable. We want to listen 
and we're here for you. I mean, that is such a gift that we can give our kids. Oh, I love that. So how do you feel? I mean, we we heard a great story of uh, how you kind of came from the young uh, mom who was just, you know, realizing that this was a, a repeating daily scenario for you. But how do you really feel like your paradigm has changed over time and experiences? You've worked with all these families and written these books and really thought about these subjects. Well, it's a big question, but I feel like I used to have this concept that I certainly grew up with from my own own upbringing, where children are kind of supposed to be seen and not so much heard. And you just did what you were told to do. And it was a pretty you know strict environment that I grew up in. My parents were wonderfully generous people, and they gave me so many good life skills. But it was a it was a difficult environment to be raised in a lot of the time too. And I really promised myself that I would be different and then I wasn't. And so I realized that my paradigm shift had to become that I was really okay with and able to be kind to my friend, to the neighbor, to the grocery store clerk. I could be reasonable with them. I could treat them as an equal. I could even go out of my way for them and be patient Uh, be generous, you know, give them lots of grace. But I was not doing that in my own home with my children. I really wasn't living out like the fruit of the spirit that I pride myself. (laughs) Pride's a funny word to use there, but, but that I was really trying to work on in my own life. I didn't apply it to my kids. Like I just wasn't living out like the daily, you know, the character qualities that I wanted to grow in myself, that I wanted God to grow in me. I was not modeling that toward my children very well at all. And so the paradigm shift for me had to be just because they're little, just because they're young and I'm the mom doesn't give me the right to be bossy, to be snarky, to shame them, to belittle them, to be impatient with them, to misplace my anger and frustration at a situation outside of them completely and put it on them. It didn't give me the opportunity to and treat them as if they were less than. And and I, I shamefully felt that for quite a while. And it was really good because I realized that, you know, that my enemy Satan was trying to make me feel shame. And God was just simply trying to convict me to catapult me towards spiritual growth. And so when I started applying that to my relationship with my children, everything changed. And I look at them now, not as people that are just supposed to become obedient and do what I say and tell their adults and they're out of my home. It's really about loving them and treating them the way that I would want to be treated myself and putting myself in their shoes. I wasn't really doing that before. And so when they challenged me, I was just angry. So I was always reacting. I was always upset. Like, how dare you do that? How could you do that? And so it became less about how could you do that? You're supposed to obey me and much more about of course, you're going to do that. You're immature and you're young and God's given you me as your mom to help coach you toward him and toward being, you know, responsible, loving, <laughs> respectable <laughs> adults. And so the method that I need to use is one of kindness and loving kindness and grace. And and just because I'm not going to spank you for every infraction does not mean that you're going to grow up and be a wild child. Actually, it's my loving kindness that's going to draw you to repentance, just as God's loving kindness draws me to him. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I think I just think the idea that you think of this more as coaching than, you know, being a mother, or even if you think of yourself as a teacher a little bit more, 
you know, the way that you would even react with your own, your students, like you said, you were a high school teacher was probably way different than even what you were working with your children. And I, I think that we really need to think about that a lot. Like the, the phrase that you say with your child, would you say that with your friend? Would you say that with your husband? Would you say that? And then it might help us change that, yes. that parenting script, I think for sure. But I want to hear how triggers has worked into your new book, parenting scripts which the subtitle for that, again, is when what you are saying isn't working, say something new. You know, is it just more detailed or, you know, give us maybe three points about that book and and how it's worked into that. Yeah. So parenting scripts, you know, we with triggers, I mean, thousands and thousands of, of, you know, parents read this book and in a very short amount of time. And we got such incredible feedback and, you know, people can read the reviews on Amazon. It's just been this really life-changing experience for so many people, which we feel really humble about that our own (laughs) imperfections and uh, struggle is able to actually help other parents is pretty amazing. But what we learned is that there are a lot of scripts and specifics that we give all throughout triggers, a ton of them, but people we still want and needed more. And, you know, Wendy and I always say we could have written triggers two and triggers three because there's, you know, so many different kinds of triggers. But parenting scripts was really the result of so many of our readers asking us for, okay, I get this and it's kind of working or this is working great, but I'm not quite sure if what I'm saying is still the right thing. And so what do I say exactly in this moment? And so parenting scripts, they're, they're just that. They're these scripts. And so we thought, okay, let's go through, again, 31 scenarios, some of which piggyback on the same ones and triggers, some that are new. And what are the things that we are saying that are not effective or that are not building our kids up or not good coaching things? And what can we replace them with that's new, that's going to be much kinder, much gentler, uh, much more effective, and really, again, coach them toward better behavior. And so it's also really helping us, you know, one of the things that Wendy says that I think is so brilliant, she says, figure out what you mean to say before you say something mean. Oh, I and love that. Yeah. yeah. And that's really kind say of that again, just so I can figure out what you mean to say before you say something mean. And it's really the foundation of parenting scripts. We're going to help you figure out what to say when your child's talking back, when your body language is bad, when your child is trying to handle disappointment, when they need some positive motivation, what can you say to motivate them positively? They're not being very independent. They're too needy or dependent on you. What can you say to them to spur them towards being more independent? What if you and your husband are not on the same page? You know, what do you say to him to try to get on the same page together? And so it's really specific things, 31 different ones that Wendy and I say and do on all these different topics. And we we have a whole section that here's the parenting script. So it's real clear and how we infuse that into our parenting. And then it gives space for you to, tweak the script to fit your own family dynamic, to make it your own, because we don't want this to be formulaic and like just a rote thing you do. It needs to be also meaningful for your situation and for your child. But this at least gives you some springboard to be like, okay, I get that. I I can say that, or I could say this, that's very similar and that will work with this child. And so it's just very practical. It is all rooted in Bible verses and scripture, but, and there's a lot of, you know, really good thought provoking questions at the end of each chapter. So it's actually a workbook and a book built into one. And so that was really why we wrote parenting scripts. It's a really good piggyback to triggers. Before we go on, please listen to this message. If you 
enjoy this content, you can help us with as little or as much as you'd like over at patreon.com backslash the luminous mind. These funds help us to continue producing illuminating content with needed equipment and resources to spread the message of changing the paradigm of education. We appreciate all the ways our listeners help us continue this effort through patreon.com backslash the luminous mind by expanding exclusive content, giving away gifts, and giving patrons first seen products on patreon.com backslash the luminous mind. back to the luminous mind with amber leah who's helping us parent gently well and i love the idea of of really planning out how you're going to react to things because it makes a big difference it kind of reminds me of like um when my kids were really little i knew that like going to the store could cause some triggers for them <laughs> you know like the cereal aisle those types of things they're, they're right. you know the toys that are there the few little toys that are maybe at the grocery store they really create that you know some situations that could get out of hand and so yes. before we would go in we would talk about like okay we're going to be great shoppers what is it what does it take to be a great shopper you know we'd go through this whole list of scenarios and then my kids I never had problems in the store because they understood like what a, a great shopper was and it didn't mean that they'd necessarily get a treat or they would sometimes yeah. they would you know at the very end they would like hey mom could I have this I'm like oh yeah you are a great shopper so you know of course we're gonna <laughs> let you get something and I love the the idea like we're working into this gentle parenting how do you feel like like gentle parenting is different I and mean, we hear that a lot it's so almost it's becoming kind of a common phrase but how do you think that's working into more of like this god-based biblical idea of parenting versus what we've seen in the past i mean it's kind of the difference between spare the rod spoil the child and the scriptures you have been quoting through this yeah podcast. it is it it really is and honestly i think it's more about well as we started this talk you said the word there's an epidemic and that that's what we've discovered there's an epidemic of angry parenting and frustrated parenting and people feeling pretty hopeless and people feeling also caught in a cycle of guilt because they know that they're yelling at their kids or they're snapping at their kids or they're constantly frowning at their kids and they're you know and this idea of just really strict authoritarian punishment based parenting is making everybody on edge and it's it's not working well and you're either getting, you know, these little robots who do what you say because they're afraid they're going to get in trouble or they're just rebelling against it and it's getting worse. And so that's what we have seen and experienced over and over and over again. And so I went through and just studied scripture about what is God, how does God treat me as a parent? And uh, it was pretty overwhelming on the side of of mercy and grace and giving me opportunity to mature and pointing me in the right direction and calling me to a high standard, but also equipping me and allowing me to, you know, seeds to be planted and giving them time to, to bloom. And so there's a whole feeling of line upon line. I mean, he know yeah. he doesn't give us, uh, he doesn't give us everything at once and expect absolute perfection. He gives Absolutely. us only what we can handle at certain moments and then increases it from there. Correct. Yeah. And I mean, he even says, you know, even with your enemies, like if they insult you, you don't insult them. 
Like if someone takes something from you, you know, you give them your cloak too. like offer your enemy a blessing. It's like if I'm supposed to offer my enemy who's cursing me a blessing, then what does that look like as a mom with my child? Does that mean they're just going to get away with things and they're going to be this horrible child when they grow up? Well, we've tried it and it actually does work that when, when you give loving correction and when you, when you say to them, look, the way that you're speaking to me is not okay. And, and also being really careful to use Bible verses as, as Wendy says, as scalpels, not as hammers. Like this isn't, we're not going to beat you over the head with verses, but we're going to, we're going to carefully at the right time, um, speak truth to your heart. And we're going to do that even outside of times of conflict. So it's not this weapon that we're using against you, but it's something that's bread of life we're giving to you on a daily basis. Yeah. yeah. And I had almost, I'd almost recommend doing mm-hmm. the Bible responses when things are calm. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> they're going to listen to them a lot yeah, better. Exactly. That's what we mean. And so, so the gentle parenting approach, it, it really is about moms and dads not reacting in anger. It's about giving yourself the time to think I'm, I'm going to parent in gentleness, which means I'm going to take these holy pauses when the heat is on and I start to feel the anger build. I'm, I'm going to just stop. And until I can get a control of myself, then I'm not going to deal with my child's issues. And then allowing yourself to, again, just be very, very entrenched in listening to the Holy Spirit and discernment of, is this something that um, there needs to be a consequence for, or is this something that I can actually draw them with my loving kindness and overlook this offense? And then I can even address it two days from now and say, Hey, remember the other day when you were fighting on the basketball court with your brother and I showed you grace at that time, but could we talk about that? And then, you know, they're not in turmoil. I'm not in turmoil. They're going to be much more receptive to hearing Mm -hmm. me. And that's really, I think the key to gentle parenting. It's just realizing that we don't have to deal with everything right in the heat of the moment. We don't have to punish them at every turn and we don't have to take everything personal as parents. So we're getting upset all the time. We can take a holy pause. We can think more carefully through things. We can coach our children. We can speak to them with respect. If we want to be spoken to with respect, then we need to model that for them. And so it's really just kind of an atmosphere of, you know, shifting our perspective about how we are approaching our kids. If that yeah. makes sense. Uh, modeling, coaching, you know, all of those things make a big difference in that gentle parenting versus just being the authoritarian. So the yeah, benevolent not, dictatorship. Not being, yeah. Is some, I mean, you've got to have somebody somewhat in charge. Um, absolutely. Like you said. And that's what I was going to say. It's not just permissive parenting. Like they're not getting, a, a, we're not, not, it's actually much more intense to parent this way than to parent in anger all the time or to just let kids go and do whatever they want. This is really about, you know, if my child has an issue with um, with uh, hitting or with taking something from their brother, or if it's an older child, a teenager who's just really lazy and not being responsible, then this is, again, you know, a, a good coach isn't going to just lambast them every time they fail. They're going to set up opportunities. They're going to coach them. They're going to teach them. They're going to talk with them. They're going to train them. And that's the daily stuff of parenting. But it's when you look at it like it's your job, because it is, (laughs) you know, where you say, okay, um, this laziness is an issue with my preteen and they're not doing their homework. So I'm going to I'm going to talk with them about it. You know, what do you think, son or daughter, that is the issue? You know, what is your reasoning behind not doing these things? You know, I really want to listen and hear what you have to say. And it's it's really allowing um, there to be a conversation and then just plan something together and say, okay, well, 
let's come to a compromise because this isn't working for me. What you're doing is it's not acceptable. It's not working for me, but I also want to get your input. And you can even do that with younger kids. My kids have great ideas with how to help themselves if I take the time to listen and, and plan things with them. And so it's just really, it's not about permissive parenting and letting them get off the hook. It's just a a different approach. It's not in the aftermath of conflict, always trying to teach a lesson or punish them all the time. It's, it's just a, it's a more proactive approach um, on the offensive side. Yeah. Well, and when I was reading parenting scripts, I really found a lot of beneficial application for my own personal life. I really think it's a workbook that helps you be able to look at your own self. And that goes back to that modeling and that coaching, you know, how am I going to do a better job at this? And that is a an an often very reflective um, approach to how you handle things, because, you know, you have to be well on your insides to be able to project what you want to. Is that absolutely the the foundation for both books is this is not about fixing our kids. This is about our personal journey, our reactions, the things that we plan, the things that we focus on ourselves first, and then our kids are going to benefit as a result of that. And that that runs throughout both books um, from start to finish. And it really is about allowing God to transform you mm-hmm. as the parent first and foremost. And then the kids are going to benefit from that. They're going to see that. And we, we talk very transparently about how to do that and what that looks like. And it, it's a really all about encouraging you. The books are in no, in no way shame-based or shame on you shouldn't be doing that or don't do this or don't do that. It's really about, in a very gentle way, also trying to encourage our readers about your own personal journey. You're going to become the person that is living life to the full that God allowed you to live. Yeah. And that's just going to impact and set the tone for your whole family. Yeah, you can't change anyone until you change yourself, you know, until right. you, yeah, awesome. Well, and I love, I mean, we've kind of talked about the the feedback that you've gotten. I mean, this has been a, a wildly popular idea and concept. You know, let's talk about maybe some of the mentoring that you guys do and what you have learned from that. Well, Wendy and I, we both, um, in our Gentle Parenting with Amber and Wendy Facebook group, it's a private group for moms specifically, we are in there every day answering questions, we're posing scenarios, things that people are struggling with and how we would approach it. Or And a lot of times it's just little snapshots of our daily lives and what we're continuing to deal with because Wendy and I have not arrived. <laughs> <laughs> we still have little kids and we still are dealing with, and, and some of them are preteens and teens now as well. And so we run the gamut and I have a 14 month old. So we've got them, we've got them from real young to the, you know, entering mm-hmm. high school ages. And so we're giving little snapshots of our lives. And I think that's the best way to mentor anybody is just to share your life with them and your struggles. And so Wendy and I do that together in that Facebook group regularly. And we both have our blogs. So, you know, by virtue of just writing articles and things that are meaningful to us, people can read those and search for topics there. And then I actually do offer um, some coaching one-on-one over the phone for people. It's um, actually the page is down on my website right now because it's being remodeled, but you can email me and and inquire about that too. Because sometimes people just really still feel stuck. They just need to talk, you know, voice to voice and share what they're going through and get some specific insight. And so I I, I love doing that as well. And Wendy and I speak all over the country. We travel and that's our favorite thing is being able to go to 
churches or small groups or retreats and share our hearts and have some good face-to-face time. We just had a dinner actually in Colorado Springs with a group of about 20 moms that had a book club and a few others that um, were just in the area that are readers. And it was just a beautiful evening together. We just got to share and uh, mentor each other sort of informally over an um, pasta. (laughs) (laughs) So there's lots of ways to get to us. And of course, the books. Yeah. Often my sister and I talk about how, um, you know, back in the old days when you had aunts and grandmas and, you know, everyone living really close, there was there was this camaraderie where you were, am I saying that word correctly? Yeah. But where you were able to to really (laughs) pick each other's brains, to be able to mentor each other, to be able to do those things. And I think, I mean, Facebook is wonderful for that in that, I mean, we talked about this before that these Facebook groups where they're closed and stuff, there's a lot of authentic a conversation that can happen, but to really view each other, like you said, face to face sometimes that is such a help. And, and I so appreciate what you're doing for other people because I, I think that a lot of us are, I mean, because of our distance and we don't have aunts and grandmas and everybody all right. over That's with right. us anymore. I mean, we have moved and we're spaced out a little bit more. And so what a needed yeah. thing to have happen. That's great. Yeah. You're so right. There's just, there's been a shift, I think, generationally that we're just not um, mentoring one another in, in ways that we used to. And, and this social media platform amazingly has been that. And, yeah. and believe it or not, the relationships are close. I mean, some of these ladies have been with us for years and they are like sisters to us. I mean, that really can happen even in a Facebook group. <laughs> yeah. When I love the grandma's advice, grandma's advice is always like, this is just a phase, you know? And, and it, I think when you put it in that perspective, that a lot of times we realize, oh, that's just a developmental thing with our child. And, and we don't take it so seriously. You know, why is my three-year-old lying to me? It doesn't become like, oh, is she going to be a criminal? No, it's just just a phase. It's just a developmental thing for sure. But so what do you feel like have been really important habits in your own personal life to help you be more successful in maybe not being so triggered? Number one for me is having some quiet time to myself. And that has looked different at age and stages of my kids' lives. Um, when I had little babies and I was not getting good rest during the night, it was not getting up early in the morning to just get a few things done, have some time to pray, have some time to read my Bible. That was saved for, you know, afternoon nap time or sometimes before bedtime when the kids were down. And so whenever you can really take advantage of that time, I think is best. Um, and that I think does change depending on your chapter that you're in in life. Um, but I do love to wake up early. I've disciplined myself. It is a discipline. It's not <laughs> like I'm just this happy-go-lucky, naturally morning person. But I do find that the morning time is the best time for me. And so that was really the number one thing is that I protected that time to wake up, to read a verse. And not, it's not like I had to even focus on 20 different things. But, you know, if it was Proverbs 19.11, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense, to be slow to anger. I would just take that one verse and focus on it for a month. And I would just pray and ask God to help me um, live that out and how to apply it creatively, to even apply that creatively with my children. And so it was really just having that time to be undisturbed. Yeah. And, and I think you can train your kids for that because, uh, 
like yeah. I said, uh, like you said before, like sometimes I've heard mom say, well, as soon as I'm up, my children are up, which is true, you know, especially yeah. when they're little. Yeah. And um, but we always did an afternoon thing like at three o'clock. I would. And, you know, that's a good time to watch Veggie Tales or something that's for them. Right. But Absolutely. It's, uh, even if your kids have stopped napping and stuff like that, that, you know, they understood that from three until three thirty, maybe even four was mom's time by herself where I needed to have like my own learning and my own growth. And so really make that a priority. I mean, that would be my advice for it. I 100% agree that kids can learn and our kids do that too. They know when I'm doing certain things, I'm not to be disturbed unless somebody's, you know, fingers hanging off. (laughs) And so, uh, which with four boys is a very um, reasonable scenario (laughs) at any given day. But yeah, so that's, I think, very, very important. And then also just being willing to be transparent and talk with somebody else that's a mom that's trusted or come into a group like this where you aren't afraid to say, look, I'm struggling. I need some help. It's okay that I'm not perfect. Look at, there's all these other women, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. very transparent about my struggles and what I've done and what I'm going through now. And, um, if I can do it, you can too, but that was really helpful for me to just even acknowledge without shame, um, that this is, um, something I'm dealing with and I need some help and I need ideas. And so that was also really pivotal for me was to not feel embarrassed, but to just own it. And then that gave God the room to help me transform. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think that's really helpful with my own children when I've been transparent with them that I'm not perfect, then it helps them. Like I said, there's less lying. There's more cooperative, you know, they're more cooperative, those types of things. Um, We're not meant to be perfect. I think that's a big, um, that's the, the adversary's tool that he wants to try to make us feel like we have to be. And that's not why we're here. That's why we have the grace, you know, of Jesus Christ. And that's right. So awesome. Any other habits? I keep cutting you off. (laughs) Okay. So ask me again. You're looking for habits. Yeah, maybe Uh, we've talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, another thing that I do, and I, I say this a lot is I, I'm a visual learner personally. So I write things out and I put little note cards up of a verse or even just a saying, like figure out what you mean to say before you say something mean. (laughs) Or if it's something I'm trying to work on with my kids, like I'm trying to get them to, you know, not be such a tattletale. And one of Wendy's scripts is you do you. So you don't worry so much about what other people are doing, but you do you, you be the example, you step up and do the right thing yourself. And so, and so maybe it's, you know, putting one of those statements on a note card, you know, one of those scripts so that I have it, you know, in front of me and visually I can, I can, um, you know, recall it quickly because I'm seeing it, you know, maybe it's on my dashboard in the car, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Um, so that's just a really practical thing that helps me. Um, sometimes I'll set a reminder on my telephone, um, to pop up and remind me of a, some kind of a truth or a thing that I'm trying to practice with my kids. So that's very helpful too. And really, um, it's just a matter of making a choice and a decision because so many habits are just knee jerk that we just default to them. And you really just have to come to a point where you decide I'm making a choice to not continue on this path. I'm making a choice to go in a different direction. And I'm going to have to make that choice sometimes many times a day until it becomes a new habit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
That's very true. I mean, it's it's not something to easily uh, those old scripts that we have in our mind don't easily be, get uh, overcome just because all of a sudden we're like, that's it. You <laughs> know, I'm not doing that right. anymore. It, it's yeah. definitely it something. Time. <laughs> yeah, especially in the emotions. You know, when we we struggle with those those heated emotions that can call up some of the worst in us. And so we want to change that to the better <laughs> for sure. Yeah, and and don't be afraid to in the heat of the moment. Like if you've made a decision, I'm gonna not. Um, snap at my kids, you know, impatiently anymore. And then you're like, oh, shoot, I'm just, I can feel and hear myself doing that. And I just said I wasn't going to do that anymore. It's okay to stop and let your new habit be, I'm sorry, I should not have said that like that. And just let that be, even you're just your script in that moment. You know, it's, it's even, it's not necessarily just not doing the wrong thing, but stopping mid wrong thing or at the end of the wrong thing, you know, being <laughs> humble to say, okay, that's not the person that I want to be toward you. It's not the mom I want to be toward you. I'm sorry. And so even coming to the point where that's your new habit for a while so that you're at least drawing attention to yourself that that you're trying to break that habit. That's okay too. Yeah. You know, give yourself some grace. Well, and that goes back to that coaching and modeling that we talked about before. And that teaches our kids so much about, um, about you know, t- being able to own it and coming yeah. to that. I mean, wonderful, wonderful My things to talk about. So good. <laughs> My yeah. kids are so good at apologizing. Like they just have, <laughs> because I actually talk about that too in the book. It's, it, it, it's, it doesn't look like making excuses as part of the apology. Like I go, I go through the specific process of how to apologize well in parenting scripts and my kids know that they don't come and say I'm so sorry but I was just mad and I just and he did that and then we're like rehashing the argument it's just a you know what what I what I did you take ownership for your part you know what I did was wrong I'm sorry and then we can heal you know we can move forward so but because we as parents learn to do that with them first Mm -hmm. it started with me saying that to them they've learned to not make all the excuses as part of their apology to really Uh own it to be real and to just say, I'm sorry, mom. And they're, they're, they don't feel any remorse or shame in that apology. They're ready and willing to do it. And wow. it makes our whole relationships healthier. Yeah. And what a needed thing in our society anymore to, to have people that um, apologize and don't make excuses. I mean, we see that all over. There's plenty of people that want to make excuses. So right, awesome. Well, I would love to hear maybe what some of your long-term goals are and the legacy, you know, how that works into the legacy that you hope to leave. You talked about how you could make a triggers one, two, triggers two, triggers three <laughs> type of thing. But yeah. where do you see this going and uh, working into the legacy that you hope to leave? Well, you know, as far as the legacy goes, I mean, my kids, it sounds cliche, but they're it. Like, I, I really hope and pray that my legacy is that my kids look back one day and say, um, my mom was not perfect, but she loved us and she had a light in her and she tried to do things that were meaningful and that impacted the world around her for good. Like, I just really want that to be my legacy. And I want them to be people that have a a gift or they see a need and they give it their all um, in order to glorify God. And so I feel like I'm prayerful that my example is going to leave that kind of legacy with them. Um, but I also kind of feel like I could die happy right now <laughs> because um, I, I didn't expect that these books would have such the impact that they've had on my own life. Just learning through it. I mean, these are just, this is just my journey and how thankful I am that, that God has allowed me 
to be transformed and to still be in progress, but to not be where I was at, in any way, shape or form. And so to me, I feel like I've reached that legacy. But at the same time, my husband and I are working on another book um, together right now. And so I can't tell you what that's about yet, but that will be another, I think, really, really impactful book for, for couples. And then as far as the future goes, I really just want to live one day at a time because I tend to get ahead of myself. <laughs> I'm definitely a planner and a, a goal oriented person. So my prayer is that I will just continue to steward these books really, really well. I don't think I've they've really scratched the surface yet of impact they could have on homes. And so my prayer is that I'll just continue to steward that well. I'd love to do more speaking because it's just so meaningful to me. And teaching is really my favorite thing. It's what I did for 10 years in the classroom. And I, I really love the experience of that for me personally. Um, and then really, I think when I'm thinking about the future, a lot of it revolves around what my husband and I are trying to do in Hollywood. And so um, I pray that our legacy there will be that we were sort of the, the ones who spearheaded uh, some really amazing faith and family content in the TV world, especially. So that's what we're working on. That's awesome. Well, and I love, I love all of that. What a needed thing. When we look at our kids too, I mean, they really are the legacy that we can leave that no other person can, and they'll be the ones to carry on whatever we've taught them, you know, however we've lived, they'll, they'll pick up from that. And so what a great legacy in and of itself. So before we say goodbye, do you have any maybe parting words for our listeners and then give us your contact information, how our listeners can get in touch with you? Okay, well, contact information first. You can find me on my blog at amberlea or motherofnights.com. And it's knights, K-N-I-G-H-T-S, like the armor, the kind that wear armor. Because <laughs> my little, my four little boys are my knights. So mother of knights. I'm also, I'm on Facebook as amberlea. And I'm also on Instagram as amberlea or mother of knights. I'm on Pinterest as well. So you can find me there. My Facebook group that Wendy and I lead to help give moms support and the private group is called Gentle Parenting with Amber and Wendy. And I actually, we actually do have a video teaching series for both books, for churches and small groups. And they're bundles that come with prayer and scripture cards and all kinds of amazing things. And you can actually get those at amberandwendy.com. And as far as my advice to parents or just my parting words is, you know, what I began to realize when I was struggling with this topic was, that my life was short and that my kids' lives were going to be short. And I didn't know what a day would bring. And I just got to the point where I didn't want today to look like yesterday and all of its heated anger and frustration. So my advice to you would be don't waste another moment. Um, take advantage. If you sense that you know God is speaking to your heart, that you need some change, Take advantage of resources, take advantage of Facebook groups, listen to podcasts, you know, talk to a pastor at your church, whatever it may take to start that shift. But don't waste today being angry. I love that. You know, and I was thinking earlier when we were talking about what repentance really is, and it's not for the person who 
I mean, repentance happens and it's such a life changing thing because we first acknowledge where we've made the mistake. And then it allows us to continue asking those questions of how can I be a better person? You know, it doesn't come from like, oh, I'm just done with that. You know, it's just this continual process. And I love it. You've been an absolute inspiration. Um, I love the idea of gentle parenting. And I hope that really changes in our society that we see more gentle parenting. Um, again, we've been speaking with Amber Leah. Uh, she's the author of two books, one's Triggers, and then also Parenting Scripts, which is a great insight into parenting, but also it's a very self-reflective books as well. They have Facebook groups with um, Gentle Parenting with Amber and Wendy. You can go to our website at mothersofnight.com. However, we're going to be sure to link all that information that we've discussed today on our website as well. But thank you so much, Amber, for joining us and helping to light our minds on fire on this really important topic of parenting. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much, Rebecca. It's been a total joy for me to be here. I really hope your listeners are blessed. Thank you for listening to The Luminous Mind. To learn more about Amber Leah, go to our show notes, theluminousmind.net. Be sure to become a subscriber to our free email list and help us continue production of illuminating content by sponsoring us at patreon.com backslash theluminousmind to get exclusive content. Subscribe on YouTube, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Google+, Pinterest, and now Instagram. To help us grow, consider these easy ways. Tell your friends about us, leave us a review, share our content. Tell us how we can help you so together we can continue to light minds on fire and change the paradigm of education 